Let's play a quick game together to kick this podcast off today. I'm going to give you an organization's mission statement. I want to see if you can guess whose mission statement it is. Here's the first one. To inspire humanity, both in the air and on the ground. It's JetBlue. Here's another one. To accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. Any guesses? It's a car company. Starts with T and ends with Tesla. It is Tesla. Here's another one. Uh, This may be a little more difficult. Our mission is to spread ideas. That's TED Talk. TED Talks. How did you do? You know, we know what a mission statement does. It simply explains why a company exists. But have you ever wondered why do followers of Jesus exist? I'm Dr. Levi Skipper, Evangelism Catalyst for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and you're listening to No Sweat Evangelism, my podcast designed to help make sharing your faith simple. Last episode, we continued the conversation about how we have been robbed of the Great Commission ownership. How do we get it back? It first begins by remembering who you are in Christ. The second step, remember why you are still here. In short, remember the mission of your life. So let's jump back into this message that was delivered in 2019 at our Go Georgia conference. So if we're going to take back Great Commission ownership, we've got to remember who we are in Jesus. Secondly, jot this down. We must not forget why we are here. Peter notes again in verse 9, the reason why we are here is so that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here's the question. Why exactly does the church exist And Peter declares to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that every follower of Jesus is brought into the church at large with a single purpose. We are here that we might proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. Now, what exactly does that mean? The word here for proclaim is indeed a special word. It's a term that describes the activity of sharing what is concealed or hidden from the gaze of spectators. See, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, people are gazing at you. But what you possess in the gospel cannot be perceived simply by gazing at you. You have to proclaim what they cannot see. The word means that you are advertising Jesus. You are heralding Jesus. You are speaking about Jesus. Even it's a word used to describe the activity of publishing materials about Jesus. It's a term that denotes a mood of intentionality. We have lost that. You're God's possession. Not so you can go to church every Sunday and shake hands and smile at each other. You are God's possession, not so you can show up in church and sing. You are God's possession so that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were saved so you could tell others. Come on, somebody. I mean, I know it's the afternoon, but that's good preaching whether you realize it or not. When I look at this uh, text of Scripture, I ask, what does it mean to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus? Well, the word excellencies, it magnifies both the virtue of Christ and the powerful acts of Christ. 
And the very best way to accomplish this is simply by talking to others about the sacrificial death and the marvelous resurrection of Jesus. You see, it is in the cross where we see the holiness of Christ. It's in the cross where we see the love of Christ. We see the obedience of Christ. We see the substitutionary death of Christ. We see the holy paying for the sins of the unholy. We see the just nature of God. We see the great wrath of God being unleashed. And in the resurrection, we see victory over sin and death. We see God the Father accepting his son's sacrifice as sufficient payment for our sin. Had the resurrection not occurred, our faith would be void and nothing. But the resurrection not only shows that Jesus can impart life to you, but the resurrection also is God's great amen to his sacrifice on the cross. It is God receiving his death as sufficient. When you begin to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus, you talk about our story Our story is about a man named Jesus who died for the sin of the world, was buried in a borrowed tomb. And I love that text, right? Why a borrowed tomb? Because he only needed it three days. Can I get a witness, right? He got up from the grave after that. He called us into a relationship with him, and the gospel hit you on its way to somebody else. This is what we're supposed to do. If we're not sharing Jesus, what are we doing? If we're not about the great commission of making disciples everywhere, I don't understand what we are doing as the people of God. It makes no sense to me. So what did Jesus do? I love the text. Back to it. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word for darkness here has been used to describe an evil world. It speaks of the abode of evil spirits. It's even been used to describe a gloomy hell. It's been used to describe the blindness to the truth of the gospel. So somebody asked the question, well, which one did Jesus call us out of? An evil world, an abode of evil spirits, a gloomy hell, or blindness to the truth? Here's the good news. He called you out of every single one of them. But he didn't just call us out of darkness. He put us in his marvelous light. God the Father now sees in you the righteousness of his only Son, You were once dead to God, but now you are alive. You were once blind to the truth, but now you can see. You remember the blind man who made his way to see Jesus. The religious came to him and they said, you better give God glory for this. We know this man, Jesus, he's a sinner. I love the blind man. In John 9, 25, he says, whether Jesus was a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I once was blind, but now I can see. We must never forget why we exist. Verse 10, you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the Bible actually says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know what that means? That means if you're redeemed, you ought to say so. And you ought to say it to everybody you come into contact with. Got my hair cut last week to match my shoes. Been getting my hair done by the same person for a few years now. And I always like to find somebody who doesn't know the Lord to cut my hair. Because it just gives a great opportunity to share the gospel. So I'm sitting in the chair. I've already spoken with her before about the gospel. But as I'm sitting there getting my hair done, she begins to talk about 
her dog that isn't doing well. The dog is going to die. The dog's name is Gucci. She said, I'm so nervous about Gucci. I'm afraid Gucci's about to go to the rainbow. Are y'all listening? I didn't know dogs went to the rainbow. I thought they all went to heaven. But anyway, I look for that opportunity, right? I want to come in before I go and sit down in that chair. I'm already prayed up. Lord Jesus, open a door for me to be able to once again share the gospel of Jesus with someone who has become a friend now, who if she dies without the Lord Jesus Christ, according to God's word, which is truth, she will go to hell. And that bothers me. So as I sit with her, Lord, open up an opportunity for me to be able to share. And she started talking about Gucci, and I said, thank you, Jesus. What do you mean by this rainbow? What do you think is going to happen when people die? And she begins to share with me her personal opinion about what's going to happen when she She feels like there's going to be a great reunion. Everybody's going to be there, her family, her friends, people she's known all her life, and she's loved, and she's going to enter into that place and just be a place of bliss. I said, well, where do you get this information? Well, this is just kind of what I've come to conclude in my own life, she said. Based on what? Well, based, again, she says, on my personal opinion. I said, you know what's happening here, right? Now, she's cutting my hair. Y'all with me? <laughs> I said, I'm not trying to be mean to you, but we know each other, so I'm just going to shoot you straight. When you base your understanding of the afterlife on your personal opinion, you're presupposing that you possess all the knowledge necessary to make such a truth claim. Do you think you know everything there is to know about eternity? Not at all, she said. She said, as a matter of fact, if you lined up ten people and asked them what their idea of eternity was, all ten would have a different answer. You know what that means? Not all of them can be right. Are y'all listening? Now, I wasn't yelling at her like I yelled at y'all. I was being sweet. But I began to say to her, that's why I love the fact that there's a man who has died and been resurrected and gone on into glory, who has said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. And the message that you and I deliver is not our personal opinion. We're not preaching ourselves. We're preaching Jesus and him crucified. And when you go out and you begin to share the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to make sure that you share with them that Jesus died for their sin and that he was resurrected and that all men must repent and trust in Jesus. Y'all listening to me? Because this is massive, right? People come back and they're like, man, I'll tell you what I've been witnessing this week. What did you do? I invited them to church. I mean, that's good, and I'm fired up even by them to the church, but that's not all there is to it, bro. You need to invite them to Jesus. And when we as pastors begin to look at our congregations as missionaries, what it will do is radically change how we actually deliver the Word of God. We will come into the pulpit saying, I've got to equip these missionaries to be on mission when they hit their work, when they hit their neighborhoods, when they hit their extracurricular activities. So this is massive. They've got to know how to share the gospel. Can I just mess around for a minute here? Because here's what I've discovered, right? There have been people who've been in church for 50, 60, 70 years who've never shared the gospel. 
And I began to talk with our church and encourage them to share the gospel. And some come to me and they say, well, I just don't know how to do it. You've been in church all your life. What do you mean you don't know how to do it? What did Jesus do? He died, he was buried, he was resurrected. We must repent and we must believe. Get out there and tell somebody. Are are y'all listening? I don't understand why that's such a big deal. Anyway, people drive me crazy is what I'm trying to say. I hope this message is adding value to your life. You're going to have an opportunity to hear the end of the message in our next episode. And let me encourage you. Share this with your friends. It really helps. And in the meantime, let me also invite you to check out 10evangelismmistakes.com. 10evangelismmistakes.com. There you'll find a few simple pointers to help you in sharing Jesus with others. This has been a production of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Special thanks to the producer of all producery, John Graham.